another episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast interview series presented by St. Louis Children's Hospital, featuring leading Washington University physicians covering pediatric topics of interest to doctors and healthcare professionals. Here's Melanie Cole. You know, today's children, they grow up immersed in digital media, which can have both positive and negative effects on their healthy development. My guest today is Dr. T. Eric Spiegel. He's a Washington University pediatric child and adolescent psychiatrist at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Spiegel, let's just start with the little guys, because what age would you say they should be introduced to electronic devices? Because you see some kids sitting there on their parents' phone, or they used to have the handheld little game toys. What do you think about what age they should be introduced to some of this electronics? I think the the main thing, Melanie, that I would think of is that you want to wait as long as you can. Um, It's harder and harder to wait because it's so easy to hand a phone or a device to a child to keep them occupied or give yourself a little bit of a break. Uh, the AAP used to say, you know, no television until after the age of two. And I think that um, these days we can't think of just television. We have to think of all these screens as kind of one basket. And uh, preschool is a good time to start using them, I think, um, sitting there with your um with your parent, with your child, and using it intentionally to do um, some sort of learning or something together, uh, I think that's the goal. We all know that there are times that they're going to get their hands on them from time to time, but it shouldn't become a part of their regular world until preschool time. What a good point. I know the AAP has changed their recommendations because screen time, as you say, has changed. It's not just television, but kids do have homework and schoolwork, and we'll get into the teens and tweens in a minute. But with the little guys, how can pediatricians help parents to identify when their kids might be overstimulated? Because some kids, if you take it away, they get really, really upset, or you can tell that it's bothering them or that the game is messing around with their mind. So what are some of those red flags? Well, some of the things that you said are red flags. I think that you have to, some kids are just going to enjoy that a lot more than others um, and have the temperament that they're going to be more upset when you take away a preferred activity like that. Um, But the the real hallmark is balance. Um, One of the things that the AAP offers on healthychildren.org is what's called a media time calculator. And it says, you know, here are some other things that are going on in this kid's world. It's got, uh, you've got, you know, a lot of time for sleep, a lot of time for school, um, a lot of time for to be with your family, to take care of yourself, to get some physical activity, do your homework. And then, so the screen time gets smaller and smaller as you add in all these things that you're doing in your day. Um, So we have to be able to shift from screen time to all these other activities that we know are very important for children's development. Um, And so if a child is uh, having a hard time shifting from from screen time to something else, we need to work on that um, especially. Um, I think that's an important red flag for sure. Well, it certainly is. And as they get to be tweens and they want their first phone... Then all of a sudden, all of these other aspects come into it, Dr. Spiegel, with social media, and they want to be on Snapchat and Instagram and all of these other things. And this is where the parents 
kind of throw up their hands and say, what do I do now? Speak about communication and how the pediatrician can even help facilitate that communication between the parent and the teen or tween so that we know what's going on with our kids' iPhones. Yeah, I think that um, the, 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 the basic rules are we need to know what's going on when you're using it, what apps are on there. If you, get, if you look at the apps every once in a while and you don't know what they are, sit down curiously with your, with your tween or your teen and say, you know, what is this? What do you use it for? Can you show me some of your posts? Not in a spying way, but it is as I'm interested in your life kind of a way. Um, I think that that's the best thing to set up from the very beginning. And the, and the other thing is there's a physical uh, nature to this. Um, the phones really should be used in um, certain areas of the house and not used in others. A lot of uh, pediatricians would do a, a, a lot of help to families by recommending, you know, at a certain time of the day, every all the devices are charging, including the parents. And there are certain places in the home they just don't go. They don't go into bedrooms at all. Um, that helps with um, knowing what's going on on the devices, and it also helps with uh, not allowing these kinds of these devices to impact our child's sleep, which is very important and quite easy to impact with a screen in front of your face past bedtime. Certainly is, and, and you're a psychiatrist. Do you feel that these kinds of devices, and since schools are using them so much more, do you think it's making our kids smarter, more worldly? Do you feel it has a positive impact or kind of a little bit of both? As with any new technology, it's going to be a little bit of both. Um, we would be not preparing our children for the world they're going to live in if they had no technology involved in their learning or, or creation of understanding of the world around them. At the same time, I think you do give something up when you're not looking at a physical book. I think there's something to that. That's a, it's a really different activity than looking at a screen um, or writing with a pencil. You know those, um, and, and so I think that um, creating those kinds of opportunities um, as well as using technology to learn is probably going to kind of iron itself out over the years where uh, schools will offer both things. And if your school seems to be offering a little too much technology for uh, the learning, I think, honestly, kids kind of get tired of their iPads after a while, and they, they'd like to draw or write or read a book. And, and as parents, we want to offer those opportunities for our children um, to, to kind of diversify all the different ways that they think through something. Um, this impact is even greater for those younger kids. One of the reasons that that zero to 24-month stage, um, we want to stay away from the screens is because they really do develop better. Children develop better when they interact with the world around them, you know, in 3D and, and, and kind of figure out how things work. And, and that just isn't accomplished on a screen as well. Well, it's interesting that you brought that up because now the AAP has determined that FaceTime is not considered screen time anymore because it's more like talking on the phone. So kids kind of use this new recommendation to say, oh, well, I can FaceTime my friends for as long as I want because that's not considered screen time anymore. What do you think of uh -huh. that? Well, I think that um, in the end, we're going to get down to it where we have to start thinking of different screen times as different. I mean, as I, I mean, I'm contradicting myself because I said we're putting it all in one basket if we're passively watching. Actually, my son was saying, you know, hey, there's all these different categories of screen time, some of which use your brain 
more actively than others, Dad. And True. So he's do, he's definitely keeping uh, tabs on these things, and 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 he's just a tween himself. So um, yes, I mean, but at the same time, you know, whenever um, teenagers, you know, twenty, thirty years ago would get on the phone with their friends, we wouldn't allow them to do that for six hours every night. It, it has to do again with balance. How? What other things do you need to do from the time you get home from school to the time that you go to bed? Um, what time are you going to bed? Are you getting physical activity, which is an important piece of all of this, which can't really be accomplished with a screen, not yet at least, um, not well. And um, so finding the time for all these other things, um, interacting with family sometimes has to be accomplished over a, a screen, and that can be a real benefit as well. So we we can't just be the... Um, as parents and pediatricians, we don't want to just be naysayers and trying to limit, limit, limit. I think these conversations of, right, this is a little different than playing a video game or something like that. And yes, you're doing your homework, so I don't want to punish you for that. So having an open conversation as these things evolve, because, you know, five years from now, all these recommendations might be revised again. Well, it certainly is all about communication, communication between the pediatrician and the parent, the pediatrician and the teen, and the parent and the teen. So when we're looking at things like, because kids hear now about sexting and cyberbullying, and parents get concerned about that, do we start from that place of trust? Because you mentioned, you know, getting on and saying, so what are these apps? And what are you looking at some of their posts? But sometimes, especially with our teenagers today, you want to kind of look and see that they're not doing anything inappropriate or that nobody's saying anything to them through Snapchat or Instagram that shouldn't be said like that. So what do we do as parents? Well, I think it, it all it all comes down to uh, the age that the child is. You know, when, when, when children are very young, you, you get a lot of supervision 24 hours a day unless you're asleep. And as you get older and older and older, we uh, expect our children to uh, use the lessons that we've taught them and use us as a resource more than somebody that's supervising all the time. And this is the constant challenge of parenting adolescents because they're not fully functioning adults yet, but we can't supervise them all the time if we want them to become one. Um, so discussing cyberbullying as a concept as well as sexting as a concept, and I think sexting fits in with a discussion about human sexuality that you should be having when, when kids are much younger than ready to do it so that you can talk about it in theory first. And then as things maybe start to happen, you've already discussed these kinds of things and you have a relationship where that's something you would talk about. Um, and, and hopefully then they will come to you as a resource, but also make responsible decisions for themselves with the lessons that you've taught them. I know that sounds kind of scary for some parents, but uh, there really is no way to know, you know, 100% of what's going on with if, with your child online, which is why we do try to push uh, the Internet uh, ownership, uh, you know, in the form of a, of a handheld smartphone to older and older if possible. At the same time, the... Um, the normalcy is that, you know, it's happening younger and younger. And so um, in the end, uh, sometimes you may be unpopular with enforcing those rules for sure. 
I think so, too. And it's really such an important and timely topic right now, Dr. Spiegel. Please wrap it up for us with your best advice or anything else you think a referring physician would want to know about these new recommendations from the AAP, about opening lines of communication, and even for the pediatrician be in being that go-between, helping parents to communicate with their children. I mean, that's kind of the job of all of us together. So wrap it up for us, if you would. Well, I think that the the, the main thing is that the world is changing very fast now. Uh, smartphones have only been around for about 10 years, and they've really changed uh, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we interact with uh, uh, friends growing up, and, and the way we're learning. And so... Um, there's always going to be something new that um, parents aren't going to know, and, and, and it's going to be a surprise to them. So if they've built this foundation of communication with their kids, hopefully they can learn some things from their kids as well as uh, teaching them. Um, and, you know, the pediatrician, he, he or she may um, be aware of some of the things that have become a problem for other families and can sort of give that guidance that um, uh, in the next few years, these are some things to think about that you may not even know about because they weren't around when you were a kid, um, and to direct them to resources for creating these dialogues and then creating these family media use plans that um, are, are so helpful on the AAP website. Good points all. Thank you so much for being with us today. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.